Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford. He is my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And, Wes, we have another preseason game to talk about. And I'm talking about reviewing Green Bay's 51-34 victory last Thursday night at Lambeau Field over the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, I guess we'll start right where it started, which is with a pick six by Tremont Williams on the opening offensive play of the game. And not only do the Packers start the game that way, they start the second half that way with Josh Jackson getting a pick six. So a couple of really big plays by the defense. Well, and it's also interesting, Mike, that it was those two individuals, because if you know anything about the story from this offseason, Tremont Williams actually sort of taken Josh Jackson under his wing a little bit. So the mentor-protege sort of angle as well uh, to that scenario. Starting first on Tremont Williams, what an individual this guy is. And and I don't have the um, you know Mike Spofford stats and info department at my, <laughs> at my fingertips like you do. But you tell me right now, Michael, how many 35-year-old boundary cornerbacks there are in the NFL that are playing at the level that Tremont Williams is playing at. And it's interesting, too, because you've seen, and with all due respect to him, the Darrell Rivas is the world and some of these individuals that were Pro Bowl or All-Pro type cornerbacks in Williams' time start to fade away, and yet here's Tremont Williams still looking like a 25-year-old kid out there in yeah. savvy. I, I mean, I don't know if there's very many smarter football players right now in the NFL than Tremont Williams. A rookie quarterback in Mason Rudolph, his first professional throw, and... Williams, who's lining up against Darius Hayward Bay, by the way, too, one of the fastest receivers in the league, uh, just shoots the the stopper out there and brings <laughs> it in for the touchdown. Uh, and it was interesting. I asked Demetri Goodson about this afterwards. And, you know, the beginning of the game, guys are still trying to get their, you know, bearings a little bit, try to figure out where they're going to watch from. It was almost before anyone could even react to it. He already has six points up on the board. I mean, yeah. that's what Tremont Williams does. Yeah, I think the only thing that would have been kind of cooler, I, I would have liked to have seen the the Devontae Adams-Cleveland thing, you know, yeah. just <laughs> run into the end zone. And it's a preseason game. I'm done for the night. Go up the tunnel. I've, I've done my job on one play. He did go out there and play some more after that. But, uh, but fast forwarding then to the start of the second half, as easy as Tremont Williams made his pick six look, uh, Josh Jackson – he put his athleticism on display he there did. with that one, not only to make that catch, kind of extending his body to snag that ball cleanly, but then keeping his balance, staying in bounds, you know, uh, tight roping the sideline just a little bit there to make sure that he could get into the end zone and a pretty exciting play. And it's interesting too, Mike, because, uh, you know, and with you know, we'll see with Jair Alexander, he has a lot of ability too. I don't know, though, if I've seen a rookie come in and look the part as fast as Josh Jackson does. He just looks like an NFL cornerback. And the exciting thing is, after he was a playmaking eight interception boundary cornerback last year for Iowa, I think there's some versatility there the Packers plan to use with him. People, and I mentioned this last week, they really pigeonheld him to just being a boundary cornerback. Packers are really excited about his versatility. Now, that yeah. specific play, he makes it outside kept his feet in bounds and was able to bring it back for the touchdown. He also mentioned it was his mother Vanessa's birthday that day. That's right. He told her he was going to try. I appreciated this. <laughs> he didn't make the the overblown line of, I'm going to get you an interception today. It yeah. was, I'm going to try to get you a pick six uh, today for your birthday. He accomplished that goal. He also mentioned afterwards, he was asked why he didn't do a Lambo leap. Same thinking as Marquez Valdez-Scantling a week earlier it's a preseason game. He wants to save that moment for a meaningful regular season setting. But a really nice play from Jackson, to uh, Very similar to what Williams did. 
but really added the extra layer of difficulty with being along the sidelines and making sure he stayed in bounds. Yeah. Now, there were also some struggles on defense. We can't ignore that. Uh, the Steelers did score 34 points. They were using basically their third and fourth string quarterbacks because Ben Roethlisberger and Landry Jones did not play. One series in particular, I think, was troublesome for the Packers' defense. Uh, James Conner, the running back, big running back from the University of Pittsburgh. You did Packers a story had, on him, right? Um, I think I th from the combine. From the combine, I think, yeah. yeah. That when he was coming out, he um, he was tough to tackle, and, right. and the Packers missed way too many tackles on him on one particular drive. The Steelers kind of got some things going there, and and got themselves back into the game very quickly from a scoreboard standpoint. So a lot of guys in the locker room, as excited as they were about the pick sixes and making those big plays, and, and as Mike McCarthy says all the time, you have to have big play production in this league in order to win. Um, there are some things that uh, that the Packers need to clean up, and they, they had some film to look at that, that they didn't like. Yeah, Mike Pettin will be talking this week. I'll be interested to see what, he, what his interpretation of things were because if you're looking at it from the positive aspect – Packers want to see that kind of performance out of their cornerbacks. I thought Devon House also played really well. Yeah. Mike McCarthy went out of his way to commend that whole group, and that was the group that's coming off, you know, the kind of uh, you know troublesome, turbulent season from a year ago with all the injuries they had. Conversely, though, it was between really the the hashes where the Packers, yeah. I think, were trying to get their footing a little bit, and that was one of the sturdier areas of the defense a year ago. So it just shows you that moving target. It's the preseason. Obviously, we've talked about it last week, the vanilla looks and that, but it also comes down to basic execution and fundamentals, and I'm sure that's going to be one of the big uh, messages they'll be preaching this week with guys missed, with the missed tackles, uh, with being in the right place at the right time, and, and trying to put a better performance together now going into Oakland this week. Yeah, there was a play there where I think there were only 10 guys on the right. field and just uh, you know some miscommunication things that hopefully you get them ironed out in the preseason, obviously. But you mentioned The one benefit, if I can mention, too, okay. the Packers, those first three series basically had the same defense on the field the whole time, too. So with the safeties, the linebackers, outside backers, a chance to really create some continuity there. And I think in the, in the long run, you would hope if those guys stay healthy, that's what gives you a chance of really improving that communication. Yeah, get some things ironed out here in the month of August. You mentioned Mike McCarthy said the cornerbacks were kind of the standout group on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, it was the tight ends. And yeah. uh, boy, you just the the numbers themselves jump off the stat sheet. Uh, the collection of Packers tight ends combined for nine catches. I believe is 106 yards Correct. with two touchdowns. The other thing that I found when I looked a little bit more closely at it, you look at those nine receptions, seven of those nine receptions produced either a first down or a touchdown. There were third down catches that were moving the chains. Obviously the two scores, by Jimmy, one by Jimmy Graham, one by Robert Tanyan. This uh, tight end group, there are going to be some difficult roster decisions when it comes right down to it because you can't keep everybody. But uh, um, but Mike McCarthy really likes what this group is doing collectively right now. We talk so much, Mike, with the receivers and, and okay, you drafted three rookies, Jake Kumra, what is he thinking, you know, being on the practice squad last year? I, I think it's sort of understated right now what these young tight ends have thought. A guy like Robert Tanyan, a converted receiver, mm -hmm. a guy like Emmanuel Bird, who finished the the season last year on the active roster. I think having those three vets in there has really brought out the best in those two individuals as well. I think Tanyan 
specifically this last week, whether it's been in practice or those preseason games, has looked really sharp. Big bodied kids, six foot five, about right around two hundred and forty pounds. Yeah. I was talking to him after the game, and, he, and I was asking him about how difficult that that switch was, moving it and going from receiver originally a quarterback to receiver to tight end. And he said, "Yeah, there was a lot of five thousand, six thousand calorie days <laughs> back then because wow, it's not just putting on weight. You and I, we're aficionados at being able to put on weight. <laughs> we can do it if we need to. Yeah, you have to do it though." with good weight and yeah. that's not always easy to do when you're a skill position player it's something right. tanyan's had to do i like emmanuel bird as well he gives you that h-back kind of uh look similar to what lance kendricks does hey listen mike they got five guys right now and then also a couple other undrafted rookies that i think are all in that hunt so yeah. it's going to be fun to see how these next two three weeks play out because graham lewis and kendricks are all different type veteran tight ends yep but it, history has shown at that position, Mike, if a guy can prove themselves worthy, they will go four or five deep there. But again, it all comes down to how those numbers bear out when you're cutting down to the final 53. Yeah, a couple other points to make with regards to what happened in Thursday night's game. I think Jimmy Graham might have set a new standard in terms of a veteran player getting excited yeah. over a touchdown. I mean, this, I've guy never was, seen it. this guy was fired up. I mean, he did the Lambo leap into the stands. He was doing the chest bump type of stuff with his teammates and knocking them over. He was so he was so excited. And just, just a reflection of uh of the anticipation, the excitement of working with Aaron Rodgers. It was a, a classic, you know, Jimmy Graham type of touchdown where the ball is thrown high, six foot six and a half, whatever he is, he goes up and, and snags. There's nobody else who's going to be able right. to catch that pass. So he brings that in. Mercedes Lewis then later in the game, a 20-plus yard pass down the field. Mike McCarthy talked the day after the game about how obviously they really like what Lewis does in the blocking aspect of things, and he's picking off some guys on the backside blocks where the running backs haven't maybe hit those cutback lanes just yet, but McCarthy really likes what, what Lewis is doing in that respect. But then, boy, when you throw in you know that leaping catch over the middle to convert on, I believe it was on third down anyway, right. it moved the chains because it was, it was uh, 22, 23 yards. Um, I think there was a penalty added on to it, maybe a questionable call there. But regardless... Um, if Mercedes Lewis can do that kind of thing for this offense when he's in there, you know, all the more power to him. And then you mentioned Kendricks being another veteran player. He makes a couple catches, moves the chains a couple times. Just a ton of production from that group. Well, first off, Lance Kendricks fits the system perfectly. There were some ups and downs in his first year in Green Bay, but yep. you talk about Mike McCarthy and how much he really likes to use that H-back tight end. Lance Kendricks is that guy. That's the guy. He's the yep. prototype for it yep. with his athleticism and his ability to play that spot. Started the game in that spot with the with the two tight end package that they were running. But getting back to Lewis, the one thing that's exciting about him, Mike, in addition to the fact that he's probably their best blocking tight end since maybe Bubba Franks in the mid-2000s, I could guess be. you could say. Yeah, that could be. He mentioned in his first interview with Green Bay Media that, yeah, that's what everybody knows me for, and I'm an inline guy, I'm your traditional big tight end, but if you sleep on me, I'm going to make you pay. And I think that was one of those plays. And not necessarily saying that Pittsburgh just completely just took him out of the equation, but he shows you that there is still that big play production there with him. And it was great to see him make that catch. Whatever you want to make of that call on it, he has to make that catch. Yep, yeah, you got, you got to bring that ball down. And he did it. Yep. So uh, if you can get both of those guys rolling and then see what you have with these young guys as well to compliment Jimmy Graham will be interesting to watch. But, yeah, as you said, too, I don't think I've seen undrafted rookies who played – you know, no games past the preseason <laughs> been more excited about a touchdown than what Jimmy Graham was there because I think 
for him mentally, it's showing him what's possible in this offense. And exactly with a guy like Aaron Rodgers that can put the ball exactly where you want it. Yeah. That that's that's ultimately what's going to come to pass here if those two can get on the same page. And early signs are is that they're, they've been able to do that. Yeah, well, I mentioned this in our insider inbox column that uh, you look at the last two regular seasons, the Packers have had a grand total of five touchdown receptions from tight ends over the regular seasons in 2016 yeah. and 2017. That's going to change with these guys, not only just with Jimmy Graham, but uh, but Lewis and Hendricks, and you know maybe if they keep one or two of these other young guys too, and, and stay that deep at the position. Yeah, and Lewis was so consistent in his time in Jacksonville. Yeah. I know there's only that one Pro Bowl from 2010, but if you look at his career stats and how things played out, he was durable, and he really gave you a consistent presence. And now he has Aaron Rodgers throwing him the football when yeah. it happens. Yeah. All right. Well, we've got more to talk about, Wes, but uh, a little bit of sponsor business first. At home or here in the stands, we all know that Green Bay fans give it their all and that takes a lot of energy so grab a warm bowl of campbell's chunky soup its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of packers fans everywhere try the delicious classic chicken noodle soup just visit your local supermarket and ask for campbell's chunky soup official soup partner of the green bay packers okay going back to our last show when we were previewing preseason game number two we talked about it on final thoughts we talked about it on this show i used the phrase do it again to speaking about these young guys who made an impression in the first preseason game. Okay, so here's another game, so go out and do it again. Right. Jake Kumaro did it again. 82 yards, Wes. I mean, a great throw by Deshaun Kaiser, a simple out route to the sideline, a long throw from either middle of the field or right hash, I don't remember, but over to the all the way to the left sideline. He makes the catch, stays in bounds, and then just uh, makes a move to the inside, gets the safety turned around, and he's off to the races, and it's an 82-yard touchdown. This guy, a 52-yard and an 82-yard touchdown now in the first two preseason games. What more can you ask for? Michael, I want you to actually look onto my screen here. Okay. We've done 300 some episodes. First time I'm inviting you to look at my screen. NFL, all the leaders. Passing yards, receiving yards, receiving, all that. Who's the receiving yard leader right now in the NFL? Jake Kummerl. Jake Kummerl by 23 yards, yeah. and it's the big play production. And I think you made a great point there and was one of the big underlying storylines and narratives going into this contest. Do it again. Do it and show it that you can be consistent. Not necessarily always just making a 50-yard touchdown yeah. catch, but being able to be a contributor in this offense. Be, I an, think, impa be an impact player on a consistent basis. And even yeah. before that 82-yard touchdown, Kumaro was making those catches that you wanted to see him make again. I mean, there were three of them all told, and obviously that was the one everyone looks at. But his consistency and his ability to run routes, I really zoned in and isolated on him and his route running, even okay. on plays in which he didn't catch the ball. And he's so crisp. And it's so important to be able to do that because that's what negates the speed factor. That's what negates the, you know, uh, the quickness, explosion, athleticism. Kumaro has those attributes, but if you don't have them, it doesn't matter. Well, if you don't have the route running aspect of it, it doesn't matter what you otherwise bring to the table. And I just think these last two, two and a half years have really helped him get to this point. Yeah. And for him, first off, Deshaun Kaiser makes a phenomenal pass on that play alongside that, that out route there to get him basically you know, covered by the cornerback. Cornerback's trying to even sort of cut it off a little bit. Showed some arm strength there for sure. And then for Kumaro to be able to get upfield, beat the safety, get into the end zone. Yeah. Um, certainly there, there's a question there now with the shoulder, making sure everything's okay with him there, and we'll have to see how this next week or so plays out. But everything he's done, Mike, from July 27th to August 20th now, it's been incredible to watch and, and see him not stumble 
but just continue a, a pretty consistent progression. Yeah, and another guy, and our producer Marvin's going to get mad at me because I didn't put him on uh, the list to get the highlights ready. <laughs> yeah. But along this topic of do it again, Reggie Gilbert. Yeah. We talked about him after the first game against the Titans. He was a presence, maybe not so much statistically, but he was a presence in the backfield um, against Tennessee. But then against the Pittsburgh Steelers, two and a half sacks, one of those a strip sack. Unfortunately, the Packers were not able to recover it for a turnover. But, um, you know, as I said in, uh, in, in one of our insider inbox columns, this is the guy who's raising his hand yeah. and saying, you know, okay, you're looking for the number three outside linebacker on this team behind Clay Matthews and Nick Perry. I'm your guy. And right. there's absolutely no question right now as the roster is currently constructed and what is going on in these preseason games, he is that guy. Well, and the ultimate tip in the cap to him is the fact that he starts opposite Clay Matthews in this game, and that's so important because, one, we don't know what Nick Perry's schedule is going to be like. We'll talk about in a second him getting activated from PUP. Yeah. But what his availability in the preseason is going to be like, we're not sure. So this is an opportunity for Gilbert to go out there and do this against starting level caliber of talent uh, regardless of how long he plays if you can get those first two series and make an impact that's a big confidence boost for him as well what impresses me so much about Gilbert is just how consistent he's been we, we talk about that with Kumro and being able to do it game after game week after week Gilbert's been doing this for two years in Green Bay yeah. and has been cons- consistently proving himself and even when last year you know he doesn't make the roster he thought he was going to he didn't let that kind of derail his momentum. He sat on the practice squad for 15 weeks. He bided his time. And when he got that chance to show himself again, he went out there and proved it. It's just funny to me now in that I don't want to get ahead of myself or put the, the cart before the horse, but after so much drama these first two years for him on cutdown day, it's becoming pretty clear cut he's making the roster. Now the question's going to be what kind of role could he have going forward in talking to Nick Perry a little bit on Monday, or on Sunday, excuse me, uh, they're expecting this guy to contribute this season. They're yeah. expecting him oh, to no factor into that rotation. It. Yeah, no question about it. A combination of both patience and dedication on the 100%. part of Gilbert to get where he is right now. Because you mentioned all the time that he spent on the practice squad. Then when he does get into his first games as an active roster player at the end of last season, lo and behold, look at that. Right. You know, Number 93 is in there making an impact in, in games. I know the Packers at that stage of the season were not going to the playoffs, but those games, those those snaps, those reps were huge for a guy like Reggie Gilbert. And, I, you know, it propelled him, I think, from a confidence standpoint, from a belief that he belongs in this league standpoint to come into this third year and now do what he's doing right now. And you're a big racquetball player, right, Mike? <laughs> I try to be. Go out to the YMCA. You finish up pretty well. You start, you know, have kind of a positive, you know, sweet taste in your mouth. You get done with it. You feel good the next week yeah. up until the next time you play racquetball. That's right. I think that's what really Gilbert did is yeah. think about what that does for a young man that's gone through everything he's gone through making the conversion he went through to have that whole offseason to think about what he did at the end of the season and trying to do that on a more consistent level yeah now quickly before we go you mentioned it uh the Packers did activate Nick Perry off the physically unable to perform list he practiced in a closed practice on Sunday um seems to have no qualms all the confidence in the world that he will be ready for week one even though there's a very limited time frame here for a guy who because of the offseason ankle surgery he missed everything of OTAs and he's missed everything of training camp through the first two preseason games up to this point but 
a veteran player. He's been there. He's done that. He's very confident that he'll be ready for week one for whatever workload they want to throw at Dude, him. Dude, tougher than a $2 sirloin. I mean, he really <laughs> is. This is You look at what he's played through over the years. You and I talked about it in our pre-production meeting, too. This is a young man that, I mean, I know they throw out the injury thing with him and, and people sometimes I know. The, fan, the, fan, the fans get frustrated when you look at all the games that he's missed. But as I wrote in our a story on our website yesterday, look at the injuries he's dealt yeah. with. This is not a guy who just who pulls a hamstring or pulls a groin muscle or pulls a calf muscle. You know, this is a guy who's, you know, breaking bones and, yeah. and you know, I mean, a broken foot. And a then broken playing hand. through them. Yeah, and, and playing through them at different times. He attributes the injuries. The bottom line is he's a violent player. Mm-hmm. He plays the game in a in a violent way, and that, in a lot of ways, is what has led to his injury problems over the years. But when he is healthy, it's that style of play that is difficult for offensive tackles to handle. So you can't ask him to just change the way he plays because then he won't be effective. Right. This is a guy who had 11 sacks in 14 games in 2016, and then in the, his first eight games last year, he had seven sacks. Yep. And then the injuries in the second half of the season, you know, he was in and out of the lineup and then eventually placed on IR. If he can stay healthy, and I know that's always a big if with Nick Perry, but if he can stay healthy, this is a guy who can have a huge impact on this team. You know, and he mentioned too, you know, you don't really know what that fine line is. And But I think one thing that we can all agree on is that if you can get Reggie Gilbert going, you can get some of these young guys going behind him and remove that potential of him having to play 60, 65 snaps a game, like kind of like it was in that first month of last season, in the end it's going to give you a better Nick Perry. So. We'll have to see how the season plays out, but I think Nick Perry, from a production standpoint, was right where you needed him to be through the first six, seven games of last season. He was he was on pace for a second straight double-digit yeah. sack season. There's no question about it. He was definitely on pace for that. Unfortunately, it it, it didn't happen. We'll see what happens now. You yeah. know, he has a couple right. weeks to get ready, regardless of whether or not that is in preseason action. The team reps will be really important for him getting right. ready for the regular season. Well, with that, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team and of training camp on Packers.com. On Twitter, you can find him at Wes Hod. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers is still the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.